Welcome to the Drums Anatomy of an Ad podcast, sponsored by ACAST. I'm Amy Houston, reporter at The Drum, and today I'm speaking with Made Braves, Naresh Sapash and Paloma Penny-Reed. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, I thought it might be nice just to start off by you guys explaining a little bit about your roles and what you do at Made Brave. So maybe I'll go to you first, Paloma. Um, yeah, uh, so I'm uh, Paloma. Um, I am creative director at Made Brave. So uh, I joined probably about a year, coming up to a year and a half ago. Uh, and I joined as deputy creative director, um, which was actually one of the first, um, I guess, CD roles, which uh, Made Brave had, um, I guess, had recruited for, because it's been very much a... Uh, kind of a quick growth should we say for Made Brave like really really um good trajectory in terms of work and I think that I guess my role at the time was to come in and elevate creative which is still um both of our roles uh whereas now created as a creative director I guess it's uh exactly the same role but it's obviously more responsibility more involved with decisions I guess from a kind of uh a leadership level kind of more overview and 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 leading I guess um more of the the accounts as well and Naresh maybe you could describe what you do yeah hi Naresh um I am a deputy creative director at Meet Brave I've been here for about 10 months uh I started out as a senior art director <laughs> was like the second art director that Meet Brave had hired yeah. um so yeah again with the growth got um got the opportunity to Go up to Deputy Creative Director where I work across brands like Metronic, um, Diageo, as well as First Bus. Um, a lot of my work is kind of like crafting the art, making sure that our direction is looking great, like making sure that we are communicating and solving the business problems. But most importantly, I think what we both do is ensuring that, you know, representation is so important in the work that we both do. And I think it's very, it's something that we both put primarily in all the work that we do. So it's representation from in terms of race, in terms of ethnicity, in terms of um, even like um, sexuality as well. So it's just not, it's not just bound to being LGBT. Or... Yeah, and obviously that's what we're here to speak about today. So we're going to touch on LGBTQ representation in advertising. Um, you know, obviously we just had the 30th anniversary of Brighton Pride a couple of weeks ago and on Saturday it was Black Pride in London. And I think it's always important to continue these conversations, you know, after the festivities have, have passed. Um, it's important to speak about it all year long. So I wondered as well, did you guys have a favourite Pride campaign from this year? Maybe one that you've worked on or from another brand? Uh, so for me, it's um, I've always been a fan of what Skittles have done. I think the fact that how they have approached their Pride campaign, if you can even call it that, is very integrated into what they actually stand for in general. So the fact that they give up their rainbow for the one that actually matters, just as a line, is is yeah. incredible. It speaks to our community. It feels authentic. Um, I think this year what they did was great and kind of sets the bar, I think, going forward for... Um, campaigns that come around particularly around pride because you know they obviously have included a sort of giving back initiative which is super important because it really shows that the brand is committed to improving things for our community and also they created a dedicated pride hub so it meant that people could actually 
go on and educate themselves and learn more. And, and not only that, it showed different perspectives of our community. I think that's really important. But often brands don't really get it right. And they think that just by representing our community, it's, they've, they've ticked the box, but actually it's often one perspective. Like it's really hard to actually find a brand that's that's open to showing all perspectives of our community because like every other community, there's many, many different walks of life. There's many different represent like people that, are, that obviously are represented within that. And I think often that can just become sort of squashed into one little tick box, which is, you know, missing the mark completely. So yeah, for me, I think it was Skittles this year. Yeah, I think for me, it's, I'm very, very dubious about um, LGBT campaigns uh, doing uh, Pride because it's, for me, brands should not see Pride as Christmas. It's not. Um, it's not because it's people's life and Pride, and Pride is actually an, an activist. It's, 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 a, it's an act of defiance, an act of protest. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to first, and brands need to acknowledge that. And it's, in, in in all its realities, you know. So for me, like the next cosmetic ad <laughs> this year, so pro you campaign was for me like very 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 reminiscent of the Mac campaign for the nineties because it was still quite protest led. It was still very much putting um, this generation's trend setters because in Mac it was a uh, RuPaul. Uh, but now, but for this generation, it was Nick's, and it's also this entirely new set of queer activists who are, you know, not just pro makeup, but they also like their pronouns are also diverse as well. And mm-hmm. I think it's such an inclusive campaign. I think it really then positions makeup as this warm for you know a queer for the queer community in a way. And for me, that campaign was quite interesting because it just it just feels like a the next generation is stepping up, the next generation of of culture is stepping up, uh, and we see that Knicks can play in this space because they are, have been huge sponsors of RuPaul's Drag Race. They have been within the queer space for quite some time, and there is an authenticity in what they're saying because they've they have supported queer creatives and I think that to me is quite important yeah definitely I think authenticity is key and especially um you know in 2022 people will be you know quite rightly will just call it out if brands you know are rainbow washing you know basically just putting rainbow flags over everything it's just it's not good enough there was a campaign that I saw that I thought was quite good it's from tinder so they were working with um the human rights campaign which is uh, a civil rights, LGBTQ civil rights organisation in Australia. Um, And it's basically to try and end Australia's 40-year policy that bans blood donation from men who have sex with men. So I think as well, like, we really need to see real-world actions from these brands. Like, it's not good enough just to, like we said, put, you know, a rainbow over everything. Um, But like I was saying, a lot of brands and organisations do get accused of rainbow washing have you seen any examples of that this year? Any like social media posts or campaigns? There are so many examples. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I think the most important thing is not to, to name and shame the brands. I think we need to go back into the intention 
behind it. Like, why are they doing that? And a lot of brands do that because they feel that they have to say that in order to feel, to to be seen as diverse and to be inclusive and to also speak to a wider audience and to be woke in a generation or have the permission to be on TikTok. Now, that's not the reason why you should even consider putting the, the, the flag on your brand. I think mm-hmm. you have to be an ally. You have to be 100% an ally to have the permission to put our flag there. Like, you cannot, it's, it's not your flag and I and I say that in a general general generalist way, like it's not your flag to be used. You don't put a country's flag randomly in your home. You you consider yeah. you have to be connected to it, right? And that's what this flag is for us. It's a representation of the community, our community, you know, the people who've built this community. And um and it's all all the different types of people in this community. Mm. And I think for brands that are pink washing or rainbow washing, I think I sympathize with them in a way. I feel sorry for them, but I don't condone it. I just feel like they need to educate themselves to understand. And it's not the job of queer people to do so. It is their responsibility to do to do that education. Right? Yeah, I totally agree. I think it can become a bit of a CSR job. Mm-hmm. If you look at a lot of the rainbow wash washing ads, I agree. It's not really about naming and shaming. It's more about understanding why they think that is okay, how they've even got to that and what they should be doing instead. I think there's definitely an education piece and I totally agree. It's not necessarily on us to, to do that. I think it's on them. If you're going to talk about CSR to educate themselves um, before even going out there, you know, I think as a brand, you have to consider whether you even have um, a right like Naresh was saying to even be in our space you know and I I say that without I don't know like ban people from being in our community it's a very open community but at the same time if you're not paying respect to what to our heritage and what's come before and the fact that it's 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 been you know filled with ultimately activism it's a it's you know a fight with obviously there is definitely a part of, of celebration within that, but if you're not respecting that part of it, then it's just a tick box again, like we were saying. I think it's interesting what you were saying, Amy, about, you know, particularly kind of larger brands, we should look to them to have more of an influence to actually change society, change the way things are done, set, set precedents, because ultimately they have the outreach, they have the audience ready and waiting, they have the budgets. So if you're going to do it, like why not actually tackle something that's a real life problem within the community that you can use your influence and actually change? Yeah. And I think that a lot of brands use the LGBT or pride and as a troubleshoot to deal with diversity conversations. And I think that's really, really problematic because like you cannot speak about a community that is so nuance like the queer community before speaking to the very obvious and very real situations of like black lives matter or you know the, the equal pay for women or you know like those if you cannot tackle the basis of diversity you have absolutely no right to be working with the lgbtq community because we consist of all those people mm. we consist of trans people you know and have what are your hiring plans like, policies, you know, policies yeah. are, or like, you know, also think, your casting. Yeah, I think it very much comes down to walking the walk, right? Yeah. So 
you, everyone chats a chat, right? But ultimately, if you haven't addressed any of these rights within your workplace internally, you have no right to then talk to the world about um, what you're doing. And 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 that goes for agencies, that goes for brands, that goes for anyone that you know touches this this, this community. So I totally agree with Naresh. There's definitely basic things you need to get right first before you decide to like wade into our community and try and represent it. Um, I think there's lots of things that you know agencies can be doing to you know better their culture to make it more equal and diverse and it's almost like starting there before you actually have a voice out yeah um because ultimately that's what is going to trip you up because you know our community very much um prides itself on being authentic and ultimately at some point if you're shouting stuff but ultimately you're employees are not feeling that and it's not replicated within your company that's going to be called out and that's going to just unravel everything so you know the live experience is what we sell mm-hmm. in advertising you know that's what we communicate we come from a place of insight human insight so you cannot have and this would be quite controversial <laughs> like uh, a controversy <laughs> it's, it's almost like you wouldn't hire a straight like right now you you wouldn't think like hiring a straight man to portray a gay role is right you wouldn't do the same when it comes to advertising you cannot have a, a cisgender straight male to speak about a trans person's experience that's not okay yeah and parents need to understand and they need to hold your agencies accountable for the kind of work that they put out. And I think, I think that I think we are quite good like that mm-hmm. in in our agency slightly. I'm not trying to toot our own horn, but you know, I've been like we've been places where I think <laughs> it's like we are like the only unicorns perhaps <laughs> at the end of the of the of the the, the creative department. Like, and I'm. Unicorn because I'm a migrant as well. So like, I'm literally just, just this weird thing that happens in the corner. But I think it's really important that when you talk about um, queer lives and queer advertising, or I think that's the one thing that we've kind of lost sight on as well. Like advertising isn't straight or gay. It should not be that. It shouldn't be queer or trans or we speak to human beings. We have to yeah. be, we have to be accountable to show the real the humanity at its best or its worst. You know, you can't have you can't have moments where oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a supermarket like Christmas supermarket ads. I love how they like putting a biracial couple because that's our diversity and we've stuck to it. Like, <laughs> but I mean, like you know, why why can't we just show a, a real Indian family with their real Indian problems? Because I remember this ad where not sure what brand it was but it was about this Indian family that was comparing their financial like you know success and there was a lot of complaints about it but that's literally sometimes we said some Indian families live realities <laughs> you know so it's like those kind of things needs to be considered like we can't be like I think when we call people out we need to understand whether that's cultural imperialism or not mm. you know yeah I mean there's definitely an issue in general with the fact that 
we're we're not represented within advertising. Yeah. And when we are represented, it's full of like typecasts and stereotypes. Yeah. Like I'm yet to see a same sex family represented, like a, a for real one. Mm-hmm. Um that feels genuine and speaks to me like that doesn't exist like no. which is which is madness to me because we're not like we we do DIY we go furniture shopping we drink yeah. whiskey we drive cars so like why why a we're not represented and then if we are represented there's like a whole other storyline that comes in that, that that just it's just madness like it doesn't feel real it's not enough just to show a family that happens to be same sex happens to be queer on screen like it just doesn't happen like children don't even appear in in our city um that's yeah. like a big a big no-no for some reason for brands was it john lewis who had the child dancing yeah in a dress and that a boy. became a whole yeah. thing there's so many uh complaints about that i remember at the time and it's just mind-blowing um okay. But yeah, it's, I'm kind of thinking about what you guys were saying. You know, it is. it does often seem like such a tick box exercise. Here's the white gay couple in the ad. Whereas, you know, there's so many marginalised members of the community that, that need more visibility and they just go unnoticed in ads. Um, yeah. So people aren't seeing, represent, they're not seeing themselves represented. Um, not, not just in ads, in, in all mediums. But in this country alone, hate crime has risen exponentially. Yeah. You know, and it is our responsibility as brands that exist in culture to say something about it, right? Like, and it's not a June, July, September situation. It's a December, January, February situation. All year round, definitely. You know, like, because there are people's lives. Mm. Trans people are being hurt every single day in this country and let's just talk about the uk let's not even talk about the globe at this point like that's one more that's another kind of worms let's not go there um but in this country alone like is our the work that we're doing saying something or questioning the status quo yeah that's what we need to look at not whether an lg that's an lgbt ad or not an lgbt ad we have to look at the work that we do is that agitating something i think everything that we've kind of spoke about today at the crux of it is education really yeah i think that's really where everything begins education from a young age in school education within different organizations because if people you know can't and it's like you said it's not the it's not the community's um responsibility to do that the thing yeah. is, it's so ingrained. So I've got a three-year-old who started nursery when she was two. And for some, like I hadn't really even thought about it that much really until she came home. And she was asking why she didn't have a daddy. And that was literally week one, which was like frightening from a two-year-old. We, we were like, <laughs> like we, we, I mean, we'd already had conversations as, I mean, I don't know as you do, but as we had decided to, we were like, Right, you know, she'll be four or something like that when she comes and asks that question and we can explain that she has a donor. Except you can't do that with a two-year-old because she doesn't understand what a donor is. It's hard enough wrapping up around the fact that, you know, there's kids in the playground asking why you don't have a daddy. And then I started thinking and I was like looking at the books that she has at her nursery. They're all kind of 
um I, I don't know take like animal families there's like a mummy a daddy and a baby there's like not, it's not even questioned so the fact that we're talking about education needs to start from school from nursery when when kids just don't you know they don't necessarily understand the world that's what's just being taught to them that's being ingrained into them like obviously we have different literature at home but ultimately I can't protect her from what other kids will be saying what other kids that consider the norm and then you know you start looking at like the kids shows that she watches and that's just full of stereotype full of it's just it breaks so many rules it's it's crazy and it's not like people don't even blink about it yeah so there is a big a big old job in terms of like education um and how we start to kind of stop um I guess generalizing things and stop going into one type like it should be you know like there should be books there that are about single families that are about same-sex couple families that are about adopted families like there's so many different variants that don't tend to be like the norm if you like at school it's just they default to just the same stuff that we've that we've had with centuries like going on and I'm sure those books are out there schools just need to yeah I mean what what was really good is is we then went back to the nursery with a book list and we said you know they were very open and they responded brilliantly I did find it probably quite naively fascinating that this had never been brought up because I'm not just talking about it queer point of view I'm talking about it from like I was saying like same steps uh single families um adopted families etc etc no one had questioned it like they, there are families like that but they hadn't gone in and questioned it either so I was like well here's a book list you know there's even one book called the family book which just covers everything it's amazing just even having that you know and, and reading that to them and making it part of the conversation stops all of that playground questioning which which obviously happens and kids have no filter so it's like another level <laughs> but we understand as well like when 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 kids um watch tv they watch tv with their parents and a lot of times the work that's coming out the advertising that's coming out is going to be consumed by that child as well so we have a responsibility to make sure that they see a world that they can see so i said we have a responsibility as our people as brands to make sure that um, the work that we put out there, these children see themselves in it. Mm. You know, uh, I wouldn't name which brand was this, but <laughs> there was a brand that I worked on and I had cast a, um, or I suggested using a a, a, a same-sex couple in um, the work as well as like, they were not just same-sex, they were also uh, um, a Black family. <laughs> um, they told us that that's not modern Britain. There was a f- feedback from the client who said, like, that's not our type of consumer. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. That's not the response because we need to create spaces. Brands have a responsibility to create safe spaces for everyone. Supermarkets that talk about pride need to consider that their supermarket, the physical space, needs to be a place where someone can run in and feel safe in. You know, can't just talk about, oh, so, so, you know, we are a high street supermarket and we, you know, support pride. And then when you walk in somewhere in North London, a, a gay couple is being told, like, being called a batty boy. And that happened to me and my husband. And the same supermarket is doing huge pride campaigns. It's very confusing <laughs> for the lift experience. 
and the reality of what's on TV. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what we have as brands, right? Like, as you're saying, you know, with a child, like when they see something on TV, they need to see like, that's someone I want to be or someone I can, I could become. For example, think about a child who's, you know, who has gender dysmorphia and looking at a a trans person on TV and understanding like that could be their life. How powerful is that? Like that is so powerful for an, for a child. And, you know, there are conservative who are going to, conservative people who are going to be like, we are impress- they are impressionable. No, we're not. I don't think there's a queer agenda. Like, I don't think we've, like, we have a Bible that goes like, hey, this is how we get the straights to be turned. Like, <laughs> like that's definitely not something that we have the time nor care for. Like, uh, I think, but what we, what we are asking, I feel like, and we are demanding it, is that we give opportunities and the brands that we work with or, or the brands that we want invited into our homes Mm. are brands that respect us as human beings. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Like when we do advertising, we are asking people to invite us into their homes, into their lives. And if you're just this, this, like this, like untrustworthy, like just not like a homophobic brand and only doing pride that you want to get a bit more of a boost that you suddenly become this soap brand and you know it's all about diversity no no sorry you can stay outside you have no space in our homes yeah i think it's interesting that you know you see there are examples of i suppose it's less about a brand but there's examples if you look at shows where they've tapped into um a structure which already works. So like, um, I think I've spoken about this before, but Heartstopper ultimately tapped into like the skin structure um, and very much spoke to a, well, I guess it was aimed at kind of a sort of uh, a teen tween audience. But ultimately, yes, it like when when watching it, it felt like, you know, I was definitely way too old to be watching it, but it also spoke to me. It was so authentic. Like it just told a very... Um, natural uh, love, first love story that happens to be queer, but also they didn't shy away from, um, they didn't sugarcoat it in the sense they didn't shy away from the challenges that we still face, but equally didn't create ridiculous storylines and drama, which often our community is represented by. Like we, there's so many times when we're in, where we're, where we're a storyline and when we become a storyline, it's the most dramatic storyline and it's gossip and it's clickbait, which is very, thing because there are actually um queer people out there that are just living normal lives and actually it's not full of drama and yeah. it's it's very happy and successful and calm the reality of coming out is that it's not that dramatic like, no. <laughs> it was just i think they like really nailed the balance and the measure of the emotion throughout that and it just felt almost slightly documentary at yeah. points that it just felt like yeah. they they'd happened they casted it amazingly they'd happened to find two boys that that fell in love and we just followed their story like yeah. at no point did it feel like the like didn't you didn't basically see the hand of the writer which i feel like particularly in ads and, and representation within them it, it's it's shouting everywhere you know yeah. from every page that's turned i think also from, from a brown person's perspective like never have i ever as a as a show like the seeing the um the lesbian storyline but knowing that it's so matter of fact. And that's what I think good queer advertising, like advertising that features queer people 
should be. Mm. It should be so matter of fact. Like it should be just so such a common thing. Like it's so mundane that's almost like okay they're just a family having dinner it doesn't draw attention to itself yeah I think McCain actually did a really good job of that I I can't remember what the campaign was but when it was purely just about like home like oven chips home yeah just a family having dinner and there just happens to be every like representatives from our community and it felt like it was authentic casting it felt like there was a real connection they were just enjoying the chips which is literally the only storyline we need like we don't need a story there's not a big song and dance about it. It's a family having their dinner. That's it. And we also don't need articles written about it. It just no. is. Yeah, because they are like what we do need to see though a lot more is a lot more trans casting, trans yeah. people's trans casting. Yeah. They do not need to be called out as being trans, yeah. but they need to be seen. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important thing because more Today than ever, I think we need to make sure that that particular part of our community needs to become a lot more obvious because there's so much legislature that's stopping them from, you know, allowing themselves to be their true self. And I think brands have the opportunity here to do something really important without over-dramatizing it because we are definitely not someone, we're not someone's sob story. Yeah. No. We're not someone gay friend who is just like you know just having a party on screen all the time no we're not we are just human beings who just so happen to have pronouns or fall in love with the same um, sex of you know but it's not any different from the lived experience i think that's what we need to be talking about lived experience not about queer ads right yeah agreed and I think as well, like advertising is meant to be this sort of medium where, you know, we tell real stories about real people. So that should just, you know, encompass all people. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been really fascinating to hear you guys speaking. I really, really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I think our listeners are really going to enjoy the conversation. Uh, hopefully it's a conversation that keeps going throughout the year. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for inviting us and for having us. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to share our point of view. But I also think like this is also a message to the drum as well. Like I think as as an industry uh, institution like the drum, you know, it is also on you guys to be able to call out brands and agencies and hold them accountable for the work that they do. Um, So... I hope we do that together as a team. Uh, and thank you. Yeah, no, definitely. I completely agree. Um, when things deserve to be called out, they should be. Uh, not everything needs to get a platform, not everything. Um, so, yeah, completely agree. And thank you so much, guys. Great. Take Bye. care, Amy. Thank Bye. you. Bye. 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 Bye.